Hi, I'm Matt Forbeck, author of Shotguns and Sorcery in the upcoming Marvel tabletop role-playing game, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the upcoming Dungeon Delver's Guide for Level Up Advanced 5th Edition. In the news, official Dragonlance mansions are on the way, details on the Marvel Multiverse RPG release, Wizards of the Coast Learn to Play D&D events are coming soon, and more. Plus, a brand new sketch about the frustrations of random generation. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. It says here that this establishment serves only the finest real ale and the best meat pies this side of Grim Harbor. Well, I can tell you that I visited this establishment a number of times a few years ago. I was part of a gaming group, but we had a falling out that was never resolved. Anyway, their beer tastes like battle water, and their cocktail selection is almost non-existent. I'm fairly sure that their meat pies are made from rat meat. I was terribly ill after eating one. Anyway, if you feel you have to visit this festering hovel of a tavern, you'll find it just outside the western gate of Thorniston's Hale, the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. Who even comes up with these names? It's ridiculous. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, I am delighted to be here. Joining us now once more. Some say she is the alpha and the amiga. Some say she is the best and the worst. It is the one. It's the only. It's... It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing, still limping along with this wonderful coldy voice, which has been tested to not be COVID four times. But we do know it now that it's Ebola, so... Could use a bad could use swings and I think those symptoms I think those symptoms are slightly different to what I'm experiencing and I would notice. <laughs> I think I, they are notable symptoms that are not what I have. I pretty much just have like uh, a cold with a vengeance. Well, I must say, if the bleeding from your eyes becomes too heavy, you are of course able to stop. That's oh, always that just, okay. No no that just that's a that's not part of this, that's just a passive condition I have. It's just, Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's time for the awfully cheerful question. If you have a question, tag us on the socials with hashtag awfully cheerful question or email us at morrispodcast at gmail.com. If we answer it, we'll send you a free book. A free book? We're far too generous. That's what I say. We got what we like to call an awfully cheerful question this week. How do you feel about that, Russ? Mildly cheerful. Is that the best you got? That is the best I got. I'm sorry. Okay. So well, fair enough. We'll, we'll try. I'll, I'll be excited about. Woo! Right, awfully you, cheerful you question. So yeah. the question is from Andrew, who is from Arkansas. Hey, Andrew from Arkansas. It's a nice bit of alliteration. Hmm. Um, yeah, I suppose. And <laughs> Andrew would like to know. <laughs> Just a quick question. Why do you guys always call owl bears bear owls? I don't get it. 
Russ, take it away. I don't understand the question. Why wouldn't you call them bear owls? They're mainly a bear with an owl head. Bear owl, obviously, that's the obvious name for them. What else are you going to call them? Owl bears? That's a stupid name. Obviously, they're bear owls. So, just to translate for to the listeners, uh, Russ likes to think he's funny. Um, <laughs> just to translate and... for the listeners, my co-hosts are not generous co-hosts. They don't believe at all in any of the rules of improvisation or the yes and rule whatsoever. Yeah, Russ, like, I just, I respect you too much to lie to you, so I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, be sycophantic and, and, you know. Okay, I'm gonna stop making jokes. I'm gonna stop making jokes, okay. Yeah, that's oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Peter and I are so pleased to hear that. Well, I, yeah, okay. Anyway, no, no, don't be mean to Russ. I'm, I just go, nope, I'm not no. mean to Russ. I'm, so what, what are your answers to the questions then? Oh, well, obviously it's because Albert is completely preposterous as a name for anything. I mean, arguing that that majestic animal is anything other than a bear owl is just completely in defiance of the laws of nature and alphabetization. I just do it because I think it's funny to say common words incorrectly. Um, because as a woman, I'm often explained things that I know about anyway. So I sometimes do that on purpose for my own amusement. There you go. I, I think that's uh, some excellent answers. Uh <laughs> Uh, alphabetization is important and big. Patriarchy. Yeah, patriarchy. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to Morris's official tabletop RPG talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the time I got um, asked if I actually play tabletop RPGs when I was at the UK Games Expo in the EM publishing uniform, having explained an RPG system to this person that they didn't know about and then they bought it. They're like, oh, so do you. And I'm like, why do you think I'm here? <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I happen to know lots about. I suppose you could have like a vegetarian or a vegan working in the butchers. It would be unusual, but hmm. and yeah, it's just yes. anyway. Right, let's news. move on. So hopefully that answers your question. You can have a free book for your confusion. So uh, yes. there are some official Dragonlance miniatures coming. Ooh. They are yes. So these are, are they pre-painted? Uh, yeah, they these are. are a yeah. set of forty-nine pre-painted plastic miniatures. They're being Ooh. sold in blind boosters, each of which have four figures. So yeah, which I'm like... Mm. So there's also some something they call super booster packs, which have mm-hmm. huge minis, which are forty nine ninety nine, And there's Ooh, also wow. four warband sets of pre-painted minis. Like $50 for a booster pack? I mean, yeah, that's... Wow, okay. Yeah, sure, why not? But that, well, that is for two huge yeah. pre-pained minis. I think it's what they're pre-painted. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure, not arguing with that. It's just like, basically the whole concept of a booster pack is it's not too much money. It's a little gamble to see what you get. And this is like $50. And, oh, I mean... Mind-blowing, mind-blowing. This is... I mean, the smaller packs are $20 and you get three medium or small ones plus one large. <sighs> So the warbands, there's a draconian mm. warband, which has seven draconian foot soldiers. Ooh. And that'll cost you forty four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. There's a dragon army warband uh, with six human dragon army warriors. Again, forty four ninety nine. Right. And then... I, m- I must interrupt. The most important thing, the thing that is on the lips of every listener, has they're all shouting at the podcast saying, tell us the answer is, Russ, can we get Darth Vader? No. The, the Dragonlance version... Yeah, Lord Soth. There's also isn't, a Calamac. Isn't, isn't that him riding on the uh, the red dragon? Oh. No. Oh. oh, no. Then it's not. No. 
Um, that is a Dragon Lance Ken Saudi. And I don't know what a Ken Saudi is. Okay, cool. So Dragon Lance Ken Saudi on Red Dragon. 89.99. But I've no I idea hope, what that is. I hope that answers your question, Peter. And also, there's a Calaman military warband with six human Calaman warriors. Uh, that is not a lot of. That is quite a nice red dragon. I like the draconian. It set. is. I think I might pick up the draconian. Maybe pick up the draconian set because I haven't got any draconian minis. Uh. I just like that they're pre-painted because, yeah. to be honest, if, if they didn't come pre-painted, I'm sure they'd be a bit cheaper. But I would end up yeah. just not painting them, so they wouldn't be pretty. Or I'd have to pay someone else to paint them, which would probably cost me a bit more than what these these cost. Ah, you can learn to paint. It's not that hard. So, talking of things coming out next year, they've announced the details of the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game release. So that is coming out in June 2023, the final version of the Core Rules. And then following that, there's going to be an adventure called Cataclysm of Kang. I don't really know Marvel Comics that well, but Kang the Conqueror is like a major villain, hmm. as I understand, time-travelling villain of some kind in, oh, okay. in Marvel Comics. Cool. Oh, probably half the world is now going to write into the podcast not understanding how I can not really know that, but... No. Um, I, I know less about it than you do, believe it or not. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he appeared in the Loki television series at the end. Oh, that vaguely sounds familiar. I can't recall anything about it, but that's what seems right. Oh, well, I've actually seen that quite recently, so I really remember it. Yeah. Mm. So, you can pick up the playtest rulebook already. I've got that. Yeah, that's still that out. came yeah. out a while back. You oh, yeah, you've got a copy of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, it's getting mixed responses. Very mixed responses. Mm. Um, but it is a playtest book, so... Yeah. yeah. Like I say, pinch of salt with it all. They're probably... So a lot of people react trying, really strangely yeah. to playtest material. It's like mm. that D&D playtest stuff that came out, and someone posted, if this is the example of what D&D... 5.5e is going to look like, then I'm out. And I'm like, this is a playtest document. You're mistaking the word playtest for preview. They're not the same thing. Yeah. You could be putting stuff up that they want to rule out. They put it yeah. in there, get the negative response they expect so they can rule it out. But, you know, it's a playtest yeah, document. It's not a preview. I, I mean, there might be division within the team. They might be saying, well, some half of them might be saying, this is brilliant. The other half might be saying, exactly. this sucks. And it's up to the public to say, actually, it does suck, or it rocks. You should keep it. Hmm. If the yeah. public are also further subdivided, then you have a real problem. <laughs> yes. Um, about the only thing you don't want is you don't want a response of, eh, that's that. I think that would be very disheartening and not well, very helpful. Well, I guess it tells you that the rules need some changing still, so mm-hmm. so you don't get the response. Yeah. I mean, if We're people are doing... writing to you to tell you meh. I'm sorry, Jessica. I interrupted. Please continue. No, that's okay. But if people are writing to tell you, Mayor, yeah, that tells you. Yes. But um, yeah, we're going to be doing some playtesting at EM Publishing soon, Ooh. which will be exciting. Yeah. So we hope people won't react in that way to us when it's just a playtest <laughs> document. So uh, if this is the final product, it's not. It's the playtest document. But yeah, okay. that'll be exciting. Uh, I, uh, depends what it is, but I shall probably try and be enthusiastic. Well, you, do, it, get, you do get people that will refuse to participate in a playtest because they don't like what they see in a playtest document, and that kind of defeats the point. Because then, basically, if only the people that like the playtest document participate in the playtest, basically all the feedback the company's going to get is that the playtest document is perfect. Yeah, I, I, I guess. But uh, also, you have to recall that this is something people are doing for free. 
So not at EM publishing. I'm not participating in a playtest because I haven't got time and uh, to do that for free is a totally valid Sorry. response. Yeah, yeah. I'm not participating in a playtest because I don't like what it looks like. It's just like a pointless response. It's a different thing. Yeah, oh, we, yeah. Are, we are planning on paying people uh, to do the playtest because we appreciate that we're asking people to sit down and... Yeah, but do something our, and our give our us the feedback. Different. It's going to be more sort of videoed focus groups. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot dog. More details to come soon. Yeah. Pay to roleplay. What a I'm time a... to be alive. We, we play, yeah. We play quite, play quite a lot. Pay quite a lot of people to roleplay, actually, don't we? Yeah, with yeah. Ian Live, all the content creators for the actual plays. Hmm. Yeah. Talking about roleplaying. Good idea for this show. Um, so, Wizard of the Coast is sending out something they're calling Learn to Play D&D Weekend Demo Kits mm. to their um, member game stores. They've got like something called the Wizard Play Network, which is basically preferred game stores, and they, they give them promotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this is going to be um, early October coming out at the same time the Dragons of Stormwreck Isle gets a mass release because at the moment that's hmm. only in Target but right. at the beginning of October it will get a mass released mm-hmm. oh good lord mass release isn't Target okay no. sure well well okay I think well, we have non-exclusive non-exclusive yeah tar- oh, Target okay. has the exclusive one until then so they have it for yeah. just a I mean yeah okay so <laughs> this kit includes you get a poster mm-hmm. you get two sets of DM guides you get pre-generated characters, you get encounter cards, you get 20 adverts for new players to know what to buy, you get 20 dice pouches, and an instruction sheet for event organisers. And then these demo games are meant to last like a half an hour, but they can be expanded out to like two hours or so. So if some stores do like a weekly RPG evening or something, mm. which is something we did especially, back in the day. Yeah, especially yeah. kind of all the marketing tools you need to do that. Basically, yeah. isn't it? And the instructions on how to do that. And you get all the dice bags, so I guess you could say to people, oh, if you come along and do this, we'll give back. you some dice. There you go. Enjoy. Mm. Have fun. Mm. Live mm. your best life. Shiny click-clack bedrocks. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. And there's a new game trade show coming. Oh? It's called the Games Industry Conference. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's going to be at the same place as UK Games Expo. Mm-hmm. Oh, the gig at the, at the NEC. It's going to be at the mm-hmm. NEC Hilton in Birmingham. It's going to be yep. February the 13th. Great Valentine's Day gift for your other half. A nice uh, <laughs> uh, games industry conference, I think. Wow, who, wow, who wow. Who wouldn't <laughs> want that? <laughs> so this is an industry <laughs> thing. So this isn't for the public. Yeah. So this is retailers, yeah. publishers, designers, distributors, licensing. You know, it's all that, all that stuff. So, uh, so. All right, so all the designers and publishers are like, well, I guess we could go to the work event. <laughs> okay sorry I'm just laughing don't mind me yeah well no yes yeah. so it should be it sounds interesting so it's just hmm. a place to network to meet other people and there's um, publishers can book tables so we can chat to people about like buyers and retailers and distributors to say about yeah. these the games we have of the Gamma Trade Show in um, yeah it seems hmm. like a UK version of that so um, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how good it will be or what but <laughs> interesting that it's happening we'll see yeah. if we have time to go yeah, so this is UK Games Expo is actually doing it, and they're partners, partnering with All About Games Consultancy, who I've not heard of, but, um, so it is a spin-off of UK Games Expo itself. Okay. Get at neck. Ooh, what else have we got? We have got a new adventure of Star Trek Adventures. Talking about Star Trek Adventures, I bought the Starship 
construction manual type thing from Modicus. Ah. Couldn't oh, yes. Um Well, I, I, that's how I bought it. It's, it's going to arrive sometime soon. Yeah. So. Well, you, ha- you have paid for it, but paid you, for ha- it. you haven't received yes. it yet. Yes, yeah. yeah. Ah. I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, they've released a new adventure <laughs> for Star Trek. It's called Better Days. Yes. And it's all about like the delicate politics of Bajor and balancing the future of the planet with the Starfleet directives of non-interference. Ooh. So it's like a that... sort of intriguing political thing. Well, that does sound quite fun. A yeah. lot of the um, Star Trek adventures are kind of like moral decisions there's not really a clear thing to do correctly um yes. which makes them quite fun so i think it, it's nice that they do stuff like that so it's not mm. just a role-playing game that's like i run in and stab it with my sword haha yeah well which, i think that's which, what kind of distinguishes star trek from other sort yeah. of action franchises mm-hmm. in that violence is usually the last resort not the first yes. yeah um, some friends, yeah, hmm. well, yeah. So, some friends of mine are playing uh star trek campaign at the moment just an eight-week one they're having a great time so I've not played it, but from everyone I've spoken to about it, there seems like a good game. Mm. Yeah, that does sound nice. Yeah. We're kind of running out of news already. Oh, mm. no. It really is. It's like the post-Gen Con. There was all that stuff just after Gen Con, yeah. and now it's, yeah. uh, it's in a bit of a slum. I'm just glancing through I some have, Kickstarter. I have some news. Oh, go on then. Yes, yes. So, TCG Player. So, they sell second-hand collectible cards game stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they have announced a deal with eBay. Uh, so, eBay are going to purchase them. So for like two hundred and ninety-five million dollars, which is a lot of money. What? So yeah. is going by who for three hundred million? TCG player, right? Just right. shy of three hundred million. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so the site will run independently, but it'll be under their corporate umbrella. Oh wow! Okay, fair play to them. That's so. That's... But collectible card games do like suck. Some individual cards are like thousands. Mm, so it doesn't mm, surprise mm. me that the, the you know the site's worth that much, and that's just like for Magic: The Gathering that I know about. But obviously, there's so many different collectible card games, and um, I guess because it's a second-hand marketplace, it just that's kind of what eBay do. So, oh, nice. so that's interesting. Yeah, um, more monopolies taking over everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we love a mega corporation at EM. <laughs> Which one? Um, <laughs> Uh, I see Egg Embry, that fantastic investigative journalist, has uh, noted that Coyote and Crow are up to some new stuff. Mm. Coyote and Crow stories to the freelance. Right. They're bringing out a story screen, a story guide screen, and um, a standalone dice game called, I think it's Narsi or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's got some fairly nice art on. Uh, not quite sure how to describe it, but it's quite striking and very colourful, which I do quite enjoy. So, yeah. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. Following up on the success of their million-dollar-plus Kickstarter. Good job. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, we probably have covered the news now. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, it has what been is? a light news week. It yeah. wasn't... I d- unless I've missed something, but... Uh... Well, not really. There haven't been any great big Kickstarters, although there's going to be a couple next week. There's going to be our one. And yeah, of course, there's going yes. to be three leagues. New one, oh, well. exactly the same day. I, I mean, tactical error on their part. I'm, I'm sure they'll be fine. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, okay. Uh, well, I, I, I don't think you're covering the exact same parts of the market. What's the free league one about? Oh, it's Dragon Bane. Ah, oh, it's Dragon yeah, Bane. yeah. It's dragons yeah, and yeah. demons and so forth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this, this was like. 
the big big Swedish tabletop RPG. Yeah. So it's like a big deal. Yeah. So and last time I checked, it. it had thousands of people following already. So it's, oh, it's yeah, going yeah. to do incredibly well. Oh, oh much yeah, yeah. like much like the Dungeon Dolls Guide that has thousands following. Well, yeah, I think they have more thousands. A few more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think it's. All, I mean, it's like yeah, you got like a uh, fantasy stuff, but I think if you are serious about running um, excellent games involving dungeons, the Dungeon Delver's Guide, the bits I've seen anyway, the bits I've asked for you give input on, are absolutely fantastic and really contain some of the best advice I've seen. It's uh, yeah, quite quite honestly one of the smartest pieces of writing I've seen in quite some time, and especially stuff like the nodes system. I'm still, I'm still reeling from the way Paul's like, oh yes, yes, this is how you should do it. Oh, and it probably works for traps as well. Like, but, 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 but it works for traps as well and solved traps, which Jessica. Is no, no, very, we're going to be talking about that later. So let's. Uh, we should talk about that later. But I'm, I'm still, stuff. I'm still. Oh wow, wow, wow. Okay, fine, fine. This this segment is too large to contain my enthusiasm for the Dungeon Devil's Drive. Let us crack Shoot. off. Onwards to victory. Oh, by the gods, I hate the jungle. All that humidity and the insects, oh, and the mud. Ah, do you hate it as much as the desert yesterday? Yeah, you spent the whole day complaining about the sand. How thirsty you were. I'd have thought you'd be quite glad of a bit of humidity. You know, I hate them both equally. And then the tundra on Wednesday. I'm so cold, I can feel it in my bones, you said. Really, that's no pleasing you. Well, what's wrong with some nice temperate grassland? I mean, whose idea was it to put an icy tundra, a parched desert, and a dense jungle all right next to each other? Mm, now you mention it, that is a bit unusual. I reckon the GM was using that random terrain generator again. Oh, God, that thing. Oh, remember when she randomly rolled up a fiery hellscape right in the middle of a country shire? And that unending marsh in the back room of the tavern. That generator really is broken. Somebody should do something about it. I know, right? And it's not just the random terrain generators. Yeah, there's the random monster generator. Pterodactyl! Oh, oh, that was close. And there's the terrible random treasure generator she uses. Right, I mean, three D10 copper pieces and one ornate bronze bracelet. What's that about? Oh, remember the uh, random NPC generator? How could we forget? I mean, D10 NPC quirks gets old real fast. How many one-legged bartenders could you meet in a single campaign? Uh, 43, uh, apparently, and counting. We have to take action. Like, like what? We are merely player characters in the narrative. We have no meta agency outside the game. Or do we? What are you trying to say, friend ranger? Remember what was in that random treasure trove the GM rolled after that random encounter with the bear owl? Random treasure... Wait, the deck of many things? The destroyer of campaigns. The one thing that every GM fears. Where where, where did we put it? I think we hid it at the bottom of that bag of holding. Let me check... Aha! Here it is. Look, she's already nervous. See how the clouds overhead are parting. Oh, we'll show her. Okay, who who, um, who wants to draw first? I will. Okay, okay, here goes. Wait, what's that? What's what? Over there, through those trees. Is is that an inn? In the middle of the jungle? It is an inn. And look, just beyond, 
beautiful temperate grasslands. Oh, it's working. Okay, uh, let's let's check out the inn. But you hear me, oh mighty GM. My hand is on this card. Any funny business? And we explode your entire campaign. Oh, you have been warned. Hey, I just found a magic bow, a cloak of invisibility, and ooh, a holy scepter of infinite wisdom, just lying here in the grass. You, you think that's odd? I mean, look at that bear owl over there. Is it apologising? My friends... We've done it! It's all plain sailing from here on. <laughs> we are set for... Uh, oh. Uh, oops. Oops. I just um, accidentally drew a card. I accidentally drew a card? Quick! Put it back! Nobody will ever know. <laughs> Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? So, what the Dungeon Dervis Guide is, is a, a book by Paul Hughes, who also wrote The Monstrous Menagerie, yes. which is very, yes. very popular. And this book is all about designing, stocking, exploring and running dungeons, plus a whole bunch of player options for characters who like to sort of specialise in dungeons or the underworld, which is under dark-like region of the world. Mm. Yeah. So Underland. Underland, sorry, yes, that's the correct term. Underland. And it's called Underland rather than Underworld because it's kind of like it's got sort of Wonderland kind of... Ah, Yeah, it's... I mean, it's not Wonderland, but it's... happy, Happy Mushrooms. There's yeah, a lot of happy there's like it's very bright. Yeah, yeah it's bioluminescent mushrooms, and mm. it does look a bit trippy and weird. Yeah, yeah. that's only that's only one aspect of the book, though. So it opens up with like a whole mm. bunch of player options. Yes, like the first chapter is all player options, and this is the bit <laughs> I'm excited about because because I'm not a GM. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it does look really cool, but I'm like, oh, that sounds cool in theory. But as a player, I'm just looking at this mm. part. So that is the bit I've been the most excited about. Okay. Yeah. So we've got heritages, we've got cultures, we've got backgrounds, we've got archetypes, we've got equipment, and we've got spells. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I personally just started giggling because I remembered the rat people that... Uh, what, what what name did yes. they go with in the end? Rattling. Rattling, yes. yes. I remember the rattlings, and they gave me the chuckles because <laughs> they're quite fun. <laughs> it's like cheeky, cheeky little rat folk. It's no. one of their best lives. Yeah. So there's five yeah, yeah. different heritages in there. Yes. It, it, it's, one, it's one of those beautiful things where the mechanics and the theme just dovetail nicely. Like, ah, yes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That, is, that is some tasty, tasty so the ratlings, there. there's, there's cultural <laughs> equipment in this as well. And oh. cultural equipment is, there's, it's got something called a thing thing. And basically, it's two pieces of equipment basically joined together to make one uh, with two functions. And they refer to these things as thing things. Yes, yeah, yes. Which is kind of fun. But we've got doppelgangers. Like hammer. Yeah, for example. It fans you and helps be used as a hammer. Exactly. <laughs> so we've got That's... doppelgangers. Yes. 
Oh, spooky. We have Motley's. So the Motley is ah, yes. kind of like, um, kind like what used to be called Mongol folk, but they're not quite as quite the same. Yeah, it's what they used to be called in earlier versions of D&D. So we've done oh, that is now. it? Really? Yeah, yeah, because that's a terrible name. You can't yeah. go calling yeah. people Mongol. That's, why, that's, called, that's not... why we've called the Motley's. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and these tend to have some animal parts in place of their own, mm-hmm. their own body parts. Uh, we've got the mycelials, which are intelligent mushroom uh, people. Yes, I love oh, this. Oh, yes. Sorry, I love a good, good intelligent sentient mushroom. We've got the ooze folk. Yes. Also love that. Who <laughs> like to, he likes yeah. to squidge around and sneak through tiny little cracks and corners. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, I like the ooze folk because it almost fe- and it's not sci-fi, but it feels a bit sci-fi because it's the idea of this being that is so alien and different from... Because mm. a lot of other yeah. like races are like... They're, they're basically like people, you know. It's like got, Star Trek, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Humans yeah. with a few prosthetics. They, exactly. They like Cornish pasty on the head is Klingon. You're good mm. to go. Yeah. Whereas this, like, this is not what we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this is like... You got a bucket? There you go. Have a sleep. Sploosh. This is just a sentient puddle. Yes. And It's like, what was that TV show? There was like someone called Alex in it and she was like, she got hit by radiatic waste and she could turn into a puddle and move around and do stuff. No? This might be my generation thing. Someone out there is going to know what I'm talking about. Ah, like Rings bells. That doesn't but sound like a superpower I would want. I, is it's this a kid's TV show? It's, yes, it's a kid's TV show. Okay. The, the Secret World of Alec Mack, it's called. Right, right, right. right. Any Sorry. other... It was a kid's TV thing in the 90s, and it's very 90s. Um, but anyway, these folk remind me a bit of that in a way. Well, finally, we've got the Rockborn, which are basically people made out of rock. And one of their things is they can roll at you like a boulder, which is kind of fun in combat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do they all have to have South African accents like Korg in Thor? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the, six, that's the six heritages. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also what's interesting, because uh, Advanced Fifth Edition has heritages and cultures. Yeah. Core 5e does not. Yes. However, this book is compatible with both. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. also have 5e races of those six as well. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So they're in an appendix at the end. Appendix A is 5e races. And each of those six heritages, there is a 5e race, which basically combines the heritage and the default culture in a way that 5e mm. does. I, su- I suppose. Sorry. I like the fact this book, you can't, if you've not got any other level up books and you're just playing 5e, you can just get this book and it, yeah. that's all well, you, nice you don't need to. The content is just like, you know, a trap. You can use a trap in a piece of equipment, a spell, yeah. you know, a monster. Yeah. They're all completely usable. The only thing that yeah. we had to do a different version of was the races. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. The, the, yeah, converting have, heritages yeah. and cultures into the basic yeah. 5e concept is a bit tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Just to clarify what Russ is saying, 90% of this book is examples of traps rather than actually being a trap itself. Well, <laughs> The book itself is not a trap. Well, that's um, what you think. You open up uh, one of the pages well, actually, slightly wrong. I, uh, I have some special, kickstart, some special Kickstarter news, you see. One random yeah. book will actually be a mimic, but you won't know whether that's your mm-hmm. book or not. And we're not going to know which one it is either. We're just going to put it in the warehouse and see what mm. happens. Well, that will pose a problem for Russ, because when he's uh, doing the customary Ian publishing customization which is where he licks each in- copy individually, it's the copy that licks him back that will know will Actually, be the Actually, <laughs> Russ doesn't do that anymore. We've outsourced oh. that to Hudson as the head of quality control, so mm-hmm. Hudson actually licks every single book now. Mm-hmm. Premium dog slobber with every yes. copy. Yeah. yeah, so well, it's, it's a test for quality. 
because dogs mm. have like different scents than us. So they can, you know, detect more than we can as humans. Oh, that was very plausible. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the heritages. Yes. We then have the uh, cultures. Mm-hmm. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten cultures there. Wow, nice. What I quite like is that we've made Grimlock a culture rather than a heritage. Ooh. So Grimlock's yes. obviously are in the monstrous menagerie. 5 monster manual. Are they in the monstrous menagerie? Yeah. yeah, they're in the monstrous yeah. menagerie as well. Um, hmm. But basically, they're humans. Yes. That have evolved underground. So they're a culture hmm. rather than a heritage. Yeah. And, yeah, and um, yeah so, we got, so we've got those. We've got. Has, has the Grimlock human variant made it into the Dungeon Delves Guide? Well, it's, no, it's, no, it's a culture now. There was that was one we, way we were going to do it, but the way we've yeah. done it in the end is we've made it a culture. Oh, lovely, great stuff. Um, so there's basically cultures that kind of go along with each of the heritages. So there's mm-hmm. like a sewer rat, rat names mm-hmm. and things like that. And there's also some more generic ones like the Sunless Mariner, who yes. oh, sails amazing. on the under under underland seas. It's the Under yeah. Harvester and the Underlander. Mm-hmm. So we've got ten different cultures there. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Which is pretty awesome. We've got three backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And they are Deep Hunter, Dungeon Robber, which is basically a Tomb Raider. Really? Nice. And an Imposter. Yeah. And then we've got a whole load of archetypes. Lots okay. and lots and lots of archetypes. One for each class. Mm. So I don't know if you want to go through those or not. Can we have the highlights? Um, well, okay, so for the Adept, we've got the Arachnid Guardian, which is kind of... <laughs> that sounds kind of fun. Spider-Man, I guess. Yeah, like, Sick. so your favourite monk weapon is a spider? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> you just throw back windows at people. Ah, no, spiders, you can have a spider mount, can't you? Yeah. Oh, right, giant nice. spiders. Well, the Arachnid Guardian is kind of like, um, you take inspiration from spiders. Okay. So they, they originally they were shadow elves, but it's, it's expanded beyond mm. just shadow elves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you kind of lurk in the shadows and the darkness, and you can sort of climb walls and ambush, yep. and you can even spin webs when you get to like eleventh level. So you're Spider-Man, basically. Mm. As an adept, and we've got the uh, for the bard, we've got the sound sculptor. Oh, so they can they, they basically use magic to. Uh, use sound to do magic, basically. That sounds cool. I mean, I mean that's kind of what bars do, but that's a very. Uh, I mean, to be fair, all the magic magic spells with verbal components use sound to make. Magic. Yeah, yeah. But they do yeah. it in a specific sculpting fashion. Yeah, you can like use sound to locate objects and creatures around you. Um, oh, you can do like... blasts of sound and walls of sound, that sort of thing. Ooh. Oh, so for if you want to do the full on, uh, this is Spinal Tap experience. This is subclass you. Yes. Yeah. Whack it all the way up to 11, and people can be just hit with all the sound. Yeah. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Hey. So, for the Berserker... Do you like what you're hearing? Or the Barbarian. We've got the Troll Slayer. <laughs> oh. Which is kind of a mix of someone who, tro- who slays trolls, and also someone who slays in the manner of a troll. Because you actually get, oh. sort of like, you can get mm. troll claws, and keen oh. smell, and acidic blood, and regeneration. I, I mean, I'm I'm hoping for something where they pick up people and beat other people with them. I mean, that that seems like the full. <laughs> well, that sounds like, to me. that sounds like a combat <laughs> maneuver to me. There needs to be a combat yeah. maneuver for large creatures, a combat school for large creatures. 
Just called Hulk Smash or something. Yes. Not yeah. a non-copyright so version just of that. the Hulk Compact Score, yeah, or something like that. Hulk yeah, I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure Marvel won't mind us using that. No. Yeah. They're, no, they're, 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 Disney is traditionally very, very generous with its they're, IP. They're, they're really... <laughs> really completely yeah. non-litigious. They're, they're very chill about that sort of thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Huh. Uh, right, but then Cleric, we've got the Labyrinth Priest, uh, which basically good at exploring, good at insight, good at... Yeah, you know, it's part of the trappings that you've got very, very tight leather trousers. <laughs> if you want, okay, my labyrinth references in there. Yes, <laughs> yeah, is looking blank. Clearly not a David Bowie fan. Yeah, it's okay. Like yeah, I've, I watched Labyrinth. I've seen it. So anyway, moving on to the druid, we have the decomposer. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, decomposers. Um, Oh, this is interesting. All things die and all death begets life. This is the simple creed of decomposers who find beauty in decay. Sometimes sounds... scorned by common folk as filth witches. Oh, I was going to say, sounds like a fun guy to be with, but uh, there's not much room in that description to leave us with anything. I think the nickname filth witches is amazing, and I can't believe I have missed that thus far in the development of this game. Mm. Well, now you know what to call your new band. So there you go. <laughs> yes, it does sound like a band name, doesn't yeah. it? The Filth so, Witches. Jessica and the Filth Witches. That's what my uh, bard's band's going to be called I, in my I, next D&D game. Gig just to see what it was like, to mm. be honest. So, yeah. So, Fighter, we've got the Dungeoneer. Oh, um, really good at smashing down locked doors, dodging traps, enduring natural hazards. They thrive beneath the earth and fight oh. on an equal footing with the denizens they encounter there. I am intrigued. Yeah, for the Herald, we've got the Stone Warden, or the Paladin, the Stone Warden, implacable defenders of the weak and the innocents. They were originally a group of deep dwarves, um, but has since expanded to include any strong-willed, compassionate individual seeking to protect those that cannot protect themselves. Mm. So you get sort of like earthen resolve, and you're stable as stone, and you have rooted defence, and you can shield the the vulnerable, and uh, things like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, The Marshal... Mm. Expedition leader. Ooh. Which is quite a useful one. That does sound like a good name. Yeah. And then for the ranger, we've got the, and I never know how you say this word, Tenebrous or Tenebrous or Tenebrous uh, Stalker. Yes. Uh, well, Shadow Stalker already taken. Wait, that's a monster, isn't I, it? I think that probably is taken. Oh, no, the Rogue has the Shadow Stalker. The Rogue has the Shadow So we've got the Tenebrous Stalker and the Shadow Stalker. The Shadow Stalker. Stalker, which is the Rogue, yeah. Oh, that that's awkward. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> One of the yeah. most Shadow Stalker's um, abilities, at 11th, no, 13th level, you get the power to make people forget their interactions with you by using your words. These are not oh, the droids got, you're I, looking for. They, they, they have to wait for 11th level to do that, because uh, mm. I've totally got that ability already, so yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Kind of, it's kind of like the gaslighting power, actually, thinking about it. It's a bit, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit not. Weird. I never it's spoke not, to you. Yeah, you're yeah. not a nice person well, to a, use that. It, no, no, it's the Obi-Wan power. That's what He's I said. He's not the droids you're looking for. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Okay. Uh, for the sorcerer, we've got the stone heart. Yeah. Okay. Stone magic. And for the warlock, we've got fate woven, which is linked in with the fate oh, spinners. Okay. Is that with the gate pass gazette? We can find uh, yeah. out more about those. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, for the wizard, we've got the ooze master. Oh, ooze mancer. Sorry. Ah. Yeah. Ooze familiar. Sticky. Your body becomes more ooze like. You can, at 10th level, you can take a liquid form. Oh, man, that's... So that you can be Alex Mack. Uh, at 14th level, you can turn into a black pudding. I, a black oh, pudding? It's a form of ooze. 
um, as well as a. I was thinking um, the British like English food. dish. Yeah, yeah. That is that is all the archetypes. So we've done the nice. heritage, we've done the cultures, and we've done all the archetypes now. But yeah, fantastic. I mean, mm. there's just loads of really cool player stuff because, like, even mm. though I don't like run games, that's still something that I that mm. I like for that. Really, well, I like, I like all this equipment stuff as well. So, oh yeah, so you've got Aboleth equipment, Grimlock equipment. You say you don't run games now, but yeah, you haven't read the Thunder Devil's Guide in full yet. Mm. You might change your mind. Have uh, we got? Tell me all. Uh, yeah. So what, what was I saying? Yeah. So uh, Aboleth equipment. Mm-hmm. Grimlock equipment, Deep Dwarf equipment, Rattling equipment, Tinker Gnome equipment, and Shadow mm. Elf equipment. Um, this is the Thing Thing from the Rattling. So one of the most distinctive Rattling pieces of gear is the Thing Thing. It's a generic yes. name for two items combined into one. Yes. Examples include the Quarterstaff Ladder and the Dagger Lockpick. But the possibilities are endless. And they're called Thing Things. Variety. Hmm. Mm. So... Uh, they, this gives me a very Jackie Chan vibes. Like um, you got your rattling, uh, you, you you learn some rattling stuff, and you got your <laughs> quarter staff ladder. You're like, ah, swing it around over the shoulders, bam, and away you go. It's certainly a choice. Lots of this uh, shadow wolf equipment. We've got spiderweb bombs, mm. dark iron, radiant mm. traps. It all seem kind of cool. They've got good names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's, yeah, there's several pages of cultural equipment there of all different types. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of just kind of like new dungeoneering Spells. equipment. You know, oh, collapsible yeah, sure. boats and collapsible poles and rope ladders and snorkels and cave tents and ah, underwater nice. lanterns and all sorts of stuff. Oh, do we have the traditional like ever-glowing rod or whatever it's called? Probably. I remember seeing, I, I seeing those. There's a luminescent uh, compass, which is kind of cool. Smart, smart. Yeah. We got an alchemical underwater lantern. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, all that stuff. There. Yeah, yeah, so that's all the player stuff. That's well, like not, no, it's chapter not all the one. Stuff, but well, there's a bit more. There's uh, some mounts, some vehicles, and spells, but that's quite a lot more stuff. Um, the mounts do include giant spiders, giant toads, and giant lizards, though. Yeah. And the vehicles include a submarine. I, oh, I really? know. Hmm. Uh, why would you not submarine? want that? Why would you not want a submarine? But yeah, but that's yeah. all the player stuff. So if even if you're not a GM, this book has a whole load of stuff stuff and things for you. Mm. But I think the bit where it's very exciting mechanically uh, mm. is in building the dungeon and mm. all those bits and pieces there. Yeah, yeah. so that mm. was all just chapter one. That was 60 mm. pages of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So building the dungeon is chapter two. Mm. And this is a whole combination of stuff. So it starts off with a whole bunch of advice. So mm. different ways you can map a dungeon, grid maps mm. or bubble diagrams or, uh, you know... <laughs> Different perspectives you can use, different themes, mundane dungeons, mythic dungeons, ancient dungeons. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all, this is all advice and stuff and examples of things you can do, like uh, dungeons of chaos, evil dungeons, or dungeons or things that you can apply, like mythic dungeon rules. Mm. Um, when you're designing a mythic dungeon, you put some kind of weird and unique aspects into it. Mm. So like a, a mundane dungeon is just like a normal place. There's nothing that's going to be... Yeah, it might be unusual, but there won't be anything that kind of just breaks the rules. Mm-hmm. But a mythic dungeon, it's like it can be chaotic or evil, or it could, uh, you might not be able to have long rest in there because your sleep is troubled by bad dreams, or, mm. you know, there's, there's a whole load of different sort of like, uh, things you can just apply. A clockwork dungeon, for example, you can just apply to the dungeon as a whole. And oh, that turns okay. into a mythic dungeon with like weird rules. Mm. Um, that and, does sound intriguing. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got loads of themes for dungeons as well, because, you know, you can have uh, bastions, labs, mines, you know, all sorts of different types of dungeons as well. 
Uh, and then we got a lot of advice on designing a dungeon structure with things like uh, gates and loops and branches and rooms and the dungeon size and all that. Just just the general structure stuff, which mm-hmm. I won't go into, but it's just like several pages just of advice on how that sort of stuff works and good practices mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, like uh, just how to... I, I think Paul was saying in his, the interview that you did with him about how you would be able to spontaneously generate using the tables, like a whole dungeon as you went along. Yeah, that I mean, that's, cool. that's coming up a bit, the whole dungeon generation tables, and that, they, they are super mm. cool. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to them, we've got your favourite bit, the bit that you keep talking about, Peter. Yes. We have the node system. Yes. This is a way of stocking a dungeon. Yeah. I mean, it can be applied in other circumstances where it's applied to adventures, for example, but in this particular book, it's it's used to explain how to stock a dungeon. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think that the idea itself is so fractal. You could use it on an NPC. You could use it on your whole campaign and it will be equally valid as a way to say, there's something missing. What can I do to mm. put it in? And you go to nodes, even if you weren't using it when you're designing it, it actually helps. Yeah. It's we amazing. Got, and we've got a lovely nodes cheat sheet as well, which is pretty useful. But, um, so the notes system, it takes up several pages. Yeah. Because there's like example tables and things like yeah. that in there and things up like to, to Mm-mm. help you do it. But basically, um, notes stands for novelties, obstacles, discoveries, escalations, and set pieces. Yeah. There are five yeah. elements that you need to make it stock your dungeon with. Mm-mm. And if you've got all those things, the, the, the idea is you're probably going to have a fairly fun dungeon. <laughs> if you're, if yeah. you've got a decent mix of those things. Absolutely. Yeah, so novelties is just going to be like the whole dungeon is weird in some way. It might be massive, or it might be really, really bright with lots of um, phosphorescent moss everywhere, or there might be some natural laws that don't work the same way, or it could be made of some made of bones, or or you know, you know, it's it's something overall about the dungeon that just makes it stand out, and you and you'll remember you go, oh, remember that dungeon we went to that was made of bones. That's. That's kind of icky, but yeah, okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, um, there's there's a whole load of examples in here. Like Paul's list, lots and lots of things. Like um, the dungeon might be populated from ghosts by ghosts from your past. Which mm. could be fun. Nice. Yeah. Or only your past exes. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do this, Jessica? <laughs> That's the sort of thing my GM would do. <sighs> oh God! Wow! Wow! No, I like the idea of uh, the laws of physics not working well, like there's just an anti-gravity room or something like that, because you can make mm. a really fun puzzle with that, because mm. it's... But I'll let you carry on more of the node system, because it, it goes on to just... Yeah. Uh, it goes so, on so, for more. So let me go on to obstacles. So obstacles are things that have got to challenge players. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what's important with an obstacle is it cannot be a bottleneck. Mm. Because if the players can't get past this obstacle, so your obstacle is something really simple, like a locked door. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that simple, but that's a really, really simple example. If mm-hmm. you've got a bottleneck with a locked door in your dungeon, and the players mm-hmm. can't get through that locked door, your adventure's over. Yes. So, it's advice on how not to do that. Make sure there are multiple solutions for any obstacle. So, if there's a locked door, perhaps they can bash it down. Perhaps they can pick a rock. Also, make sure the key is somewhere that they can get, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's got to be possible to get past that obstacle. Mm. Uh, or, there's got to be another route around the obstacle, if Alternatively. So the simplest obstacles are just like locks. Mm. Uh, you get puzzles. Uh, there's lots of examples of puzzles in here as well. Riddles and puzzles and tight spaces and traps. Lots and lots of traps. Traps are obstacles. You've got over a hundred mm. traps in. So yeah. um, 
And there's advice on using puzzles as well, because puzzles are like traditionally can work really well or can be really bad in games. If you present your players with a mm. riddle and they can't work it out, if after about two minutes, it becomes a frustrating and non-enjoyable process. Yeah, mm. I really hate it when there's a puzzle yeah. and I can't solve it because yeah. it makes me feel stupid. Yeah. Mm. I know so you like, it makes me feel like, especially if the gen's like, oh, come on, guys, it's really simple. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's making me feel worse because I cannot yeah. see it. I don't get it. So, so what, <laughs> and, what we yeah. have here basically is we have examples of some puzzles and some mm. riddles, but also we have ways for if the group is being frustrated by one, a, mm-hmm. pick up on that quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Don't don't wait till they're half a half an hour and they're completely bored and they want to go home and they're all checking their phones and stuff. Um, uh, there's ways to use ability checks instead to assist with that process. You can either yeah. just solve the problem like that or give clues based on ability checks and things like that. So, But also, because obstacles, you can't make them bottlenecks, there should be another way around it as well. So yeah. they're not going to yeah. be stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And that applies not just to a dungeon room, that applies to an adventure in general. If the, if yeah, the, exactly. if the plot has a bottleneck like that, blocked off by a puzzle, yes. then you've got a problem if the players can't decipher that puzzle. Yeah, I mean, this isn't like particularly new in of itself. There's like plenty of things like from Gumshoe, uh, fading forwards, mm. um, having, uh, what's it, three clues for um, each particular uh, clue that you need to advance forwards and um, just not and like again, classic gaming advice: not gating things that you absolutely need your players to understand mm. or to find. Not hiding them behind, not hiding it so that they fail a perception check or something. You think, oh, I'll just make them do a little roll, and then they don't find it, and then your adventure grounds to a halt. Mm. They always find what they need to find, but the amount of context you give them does vary. Mm. That, that's just yeah, yeah. that's that's I've- it's not well explained. Jessica. Yeah, I was just saying, as somebody who's not a GM that's considering mm. doing it, is on the edge of doing that, this mm. does feel really good because it's giving you advice and structure mm. and things to think about, which make you feel a little bit more prepared. Because some of mm. it, I think, you you might be like, oh, yeah, well, that does make sense. But sometimes someone just giving you the structure to do that and say, do it like this, you're like, oh, of course, it makes perfect sense. That's how I'd do it. Mm. Well, okay. So, I, yeah, so I think for me, mm. uh, it looks really useful. If I was planning on you know, doing a dungeon campaign for the also, first time. Yeah. It shouldn't be hard, puzzles and riddles. Mm. Because, you, because the idea of them is you mm. want the players to solve them and feel good about that. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. is their aim. That is their goal. Yeah. So you want them to be solved. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't be that hard. So, for example, they've got a list of riddles here, and I'm sure you can probably get, you could not get this now and make me look. Um, this, for example, riddle. Hard to keep it, quick to make it, herald or devil can never break it. Oh, uh, like a promise. Yeah. Basically that. So, you know, it's fairly simple. <laughs> also, Jess was present. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I should, I should let you have a go there first. No, I was not uh, getting it. So you can start seeing from my blank stare. I was like, oh. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. I was thinking you looked a little why, more during headlights. That's yeah. why in a party yeah. you have a range of different skills. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Peter well, has that covered. Other examples of puzzles where basically yeah. it's a barrier in which the solution is found elsewhere in the dungeon. So an example mm. here is there's a passage sealed with an iron wall with no keyhole in sight. Mm-hmm. How do you get past it? There's mm. a rust monster somewhere else nearby. And yeah. you can utilise the rust monster to make a hole in the, in the, in the iron wall. So things, things like that where the solution is there for you to use. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, or you could just brute force it as well. Oh, that's going yeah. to take time, make a lot of noise, use spell slots to get you through. Mm. Uh, you've got different options. Uh, finding yeah. the clever way is definitely more satisfying. Yeah. But if you want to brute force it, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. but if, you, if, if, like me, you're not clever and just have to brute force it, you can. Yeah. yeah. So that's obstacles. <laughs> then we've got yeah. discoveries. Mm. So discoveries um, are keys. It could be yeah. treasure. Yeah. There can be secrets, there can be social interactions, they're just things, there's yeah. lots of different things. So, I mean, they're kind of obvious, so a key, you know, a key is. Um, mm. I mean, a key doesn't have to be a physical key, of course, that rust monster oh. is technically a key to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Treasure, obviously, we know what, we know what treasure is. Um, so we've got a table of discoveries as well, which you can roll on. Yeah. You know, and we've got quite a lot of random tables sprinkled about that yes. you can use to randomly generate stuff. And then escalations is the final part of nodes. Mm. Uh, no, the second final well, part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dun, dun, <laughs> yeah. dun. So es- escalations is kind of like, as you're exploring the dungeon and doing stuff, the mm-hmm. denizens are starting to become aware of your presence. So it's not a static yeah. environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you can have sort of like an escalation table, which might mm. go from stages sort of like zero to four. And at one end of it, it's like, the guards are all quite lazy. They've got no reason to think anything's going on. They're making their perception checks with disadvantage. They're mainly sleeping or playing mm. poker, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then it escalates a bit. Their suspicions are aroused. They realise it's not a drill, a red alert, and things like that. And they and you know they stop making checks at disadvantage. And then there's yeah. double the number of guards. And then they're making checks at advantage because they're really yeah. uh, it, keep, it, keep if out you. If you're familiar with the concept of clocks from other games, like maybe Blades in the Dark, this is an excellent way to introduce these in. Mm. Uh, clock Jessica being like a, like a, you know, those old trivial pursuit pieces and you put little triangles in there. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's like that. And like as things go, uh, the clock ticks up and you can like escalate it up that way. And I think that is really nice to have like a formula, formulized uh, way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. Mm. I always think of it as the die hard rule. The die you watch Die Hard and you watch the baddies slowly becoming aware that John McClane's out oh, there yes. messing around with their plans. Yes, yes, yes. And they start stepping up with security <laughs> and looking for them and stuff like that. So right at the beginning, they've got no yeah. idea. And he's right. taking, mm. he's ten, he takes a couple of them out before they're even aware. And then they start realising one of them hasn't come back. And then, you know, um, it you slowly know, escalates. What was that? Because you did a product for What's Old is New, which was basically Die Hard on a spaceship. Mm. Yes. The Spartan Gambit. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that, like that's that was one of those as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, a, that was just Die Hard on a Spaceship. Though. That was literally Die Hard on a Spaceship, yeah. What more good do you times, want? Good times, good yeah. yeah. Ah. Uh, and finally, 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 we have set pieces. Mm. So set pieces aren't just combats, yeah. but if they are combats, they should be cool combats in cool locations with stuff to interact with and they should be cool. But they can also be non-combat set pieces. Like, you know, like the minecart chase in Indiana Jones? <laughs> that's, that's a set piece yeah, yeah, yeah. an example of a set piece or um, the trash compactor in Star Wars yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. oh, so okay. set pieces are kind of like things with some kind of unique me- mechanic yeah. um, some kind of um, like thing that makes it really stand out from a regular combat Yeah, like, like it might be an icy cavern where icicles are periodically dropping off the ceiling or something or, or you're stood on floating bits of rock that are going around a central whirling mass of chaos whilst uh, flying things attempt to eat your face or something like that yeah, yeah. nice so, so that's what a set piece is and they can, you can have social scenes at a set piece depending on your type of, type of campaign a social scene can literally be a set piece oh, and then exactly. so can a trap thus the yeah. trash compactor and things like that you can have a really really big elite trap which a you have to get. social set piece that's also a trap 
Yes. See, Red Wedding. Ha-ha! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the mode <laughs> system, basically. And yes. we, we got a, uh, a cheat sheet for that to help you keep, keep that handy as well. Yeah. But you just use that um, node system to stock your dungeon. You're going to yeah. find that you have a fairly fun dungeon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and going back to traps, I know you said there were obstacles, and that is true, but they can also bring in a lot of other stuff. For instance, the reverse gravity trap that Jessica mentioned, that also has a certain mm-hmm. amount of novelty to it. Mm. Like, uh, one of those fantastic, like, corridors that people have to get through with, like, flames blasting from either side, so you have to get the timing right to through, is this natural set piece. Mm-hmm. Um, a tripwire that leads to, uh, that pulls off dead fall, that makes loads of rocks fall into a bucket, making a god-awful noise, is a great way to escalate. Mm. And, of course, uh, traps can have discovery as well, like, you know, because a good, uh, an interesting trap can have a bit of bait to lure the hapless rogues in, Falls by their end of a greed, and then it sets off the trap, or not, depending on how clever your rogue is. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and that 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 is the brilliance because trying to conceptualise traps in another way is really hard, and people keep on trying and failing. So I think this nodes way, if you lean into one of the one or more of the lesser nodes, you will create a good quality trap, which will be reliably fun for use in a dungeon, and that is the genius of the node system, and that is sort of the game-changing nature of uh, this book, I feel. Yeah. Just my two cents, but that's why I'm keen on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> talking of traps... Yes? We have over a hundred traps in this book. Over a hundred. A Goodness. lot of traps. Say starting, one thing for Paul Hughes, say he likes traps, man. Wow, starting with the acid bucket trap at A, <laughs> and then scrolling to the end of the trap, the final <laughs> trap in the book is the... Yellow mould trap. Uh, the, the acid bucket trap, where a door is slightly ajar and there's a bucket on top of it that is filled with acid. <laughs> when is a door not a door? When is a jar? Yeah. Well, it's a moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so all of, these, all of these traps are done in the uh, exploration challenge format. So you've got mm. a tier, like the acid bucket trap, for example, just is the first one here. It's not necessarily mm. the most exciting trap in the book, but it's yeah, yeah. right in front of me. So it tells you that it's a zero tier. Yeah. Favoured by Cobalt everywhere. So, north tier. Yeah. Challenge rating 1, so with 200 XP. Yeah. Um, it tells you the DC wow. is 13. Yeah. Gives you a little descript- description of it, uh, mm-hmm. rules for it, uh, a bunch of possible solutions, what happens when you get a critical failure, a failure, a success, or a critical success. Yeah, yeah. Passing that trap. Yeah. And then that's the, that's the format that all of them are. Every mm. single one of them is that. So we've got the bookcase trap there, we've got chaos crystals, we've I got a mean- collapsing dungeon. Challenge loads, rating loads 20, there's one called The Floating Sphere of Annihilation. Yeah. Which doesn't sound <laughs> safe. Yeah. So let's have a look. Flo- <laughs> Floating Sphere of Annihilation, fourth tier, elite constructed cha- trap. Challenge 20, 50,000 XP. Ooh, DC yeah. 23 slash 18. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a five foot diameter sphere of inky darkness hovers several feet above the floor. The walls of the room are inscribed with glowing rooms. Um, basically, the runes are the key to the trap, and yeah. that and that sphere of annihilation uh, is going uh, to ruin your day. I, I, I think I think we should put some context on here because the most famous use of a sphere of annihilation, as we all know, was of course the Tomb of Horrors, mm. where oh, one of the yeah yeah it's basically at the start there's like um you're trying to find the entrance and that itself is a pain in the rear, and when you get there there's like a bigger uh, there's a big open demon's mouth. And inside is complete inky blackness, which you can see, and you can't see a single thing through. 
And if you were to throw yourself into it, you found yourself throwing yourself into a sphere of annihilation. Mm. Spoilers, that's not good. No. You are, in fact, annihilated. Yes. That is logic how these things work. And ah. that, that sort of Gygaxian trap, yeah. where it's like, oh, well, you've entered my trap, ha, ha, ha. You've, here's my trap card. No, that is the exact opposite of how Paul says to run these traps. You should always be telegraphing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, pointing things out so the players can say, and, and, and like, you know, if they ignore, if they choose to ignore, because that's in character, the details, and they're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's pull these levers. Oh, a, a, a sphere of an art. Well, a big black floating sphere. I'll lick it and see what happens. Then, like that, like maybe, maybe you do, you can check, you understand it's like hovering there, glowing ominously. Are you sure you want to lick it? And when they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll lick it. They say, like, okay, fair enough. Your tongue is annihilated. And that's on them because you've given them a chance. And, it, and it's like, maybe you shouldn't lick the giant sphere, fl- fl- glowing, glowing back sphere. I don't know, man. Maybe that's, maybe that's just me. I wouldn't do that. But if your character would, that's, that's fine. Sorry, Chris. That's not meant to be a personal dick at you. So, we then It was just a little magic to... mirror. <laughs> oh, sorry. We then move on to random dungeon delves. Oh. So these are tables which allow you to randomly generate dungeons. And these use the notes system. To yeah. ensure that these dungeons that you randomly generated are fun and interesting and varied. Ah, oh, amazing. Uh, each one is like one, two, three, four, about five pages long. Mm-hmm. Um, full of tables of obstacles and novelties and escalations and set pieces and treasures and things that you can put in there. Along with mm-hmm. places like the room sizes and the room te- directions and yeah, yeah, passages, yeah. things like that. Um, and there's eight different types. Mm-hmm. So we've got bastions, mm-hmm. we've got caverns, mm. we've got laboratories, we've got mm. mines, we've got ruins, mm. we've got sewers, temples, and tombs. Is that eight? Oh, Two, okay. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's eight. So yeah, so so eight they've all got types. a different different flavour and yeah. different sort of things you'd expect to find. Yeah, and each is about five yeah. pages long, just full of tables to just like... Like, mm. we've got, like, for the Bastion, large chamber scenery, roll of seven, it's a kitchen, a cauldron full of soup simmers inside a blazing fireplace, or... Okay. You know, that sort of thing. Whereas if you've got a cavern, a, a, a large cavern scene, we've seven stone pillars rise from a lake to support the cavern's high arch ceiling and things like that. So, mm. yeah, each, yeah, so about five pages for each of eight different things. So There's about 40 pages of random tables there. And that, that generates the random space, uh, which you can also populate with what you like, really. Yeah, yeah, well, it's got, it's got the obstacles, it's got, um, set pieces, it's got encounters, it's wow. got escalations, okay. guards, the types of guards you like to find. So looking at wow. the Bastion again, just because that's what in front of me, for example, you might, it's got guards and kobolds and bugbears and, yeah. you know. Oh my. Ho- holy <laughs> knights and soldier squads and, you know, and, 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 and different encounters depending on, and, and they're divided by level as well. So like Ooh. a Bastion escalation, uh, escalation. Mm-hmm. Um, it will say for level two, one to two, you meet two d four bandits or warriors, or okay. level seventeen to twenty, it's an assassin or mage with two d six cutthroats or spies. So they, nice. they, they escalate. So that's yeah. really super useful. And there's a mm. possible link to a certain stretch goal. Oh, yes, a certain electronic stretch goal. One might say. Interesting. So, mm. like, obviously the Kickstarter's coming out in four days. Mm-hmm. Do we have any secret previews for loyal listeners to the podcast? Um, well, they're not that secret because I put them on Facebook and stuff, but there is a link to the preview of the Kickstarter on Facebook okay. and on the yeah. forum and on the Discord. Yeah. 
and probably a couple of other places too. So you can go and look and you can give some feedback yes. and stuff. And no. Actually, why haven't I seen you of this? I should be aware I, of this. I do not know. No, me neither. So it's not a thing what I know. That's <laughs> fair enough. Hard to prove uh, yeah. evidence of absence. Launching mm. on Tuesday, the 30th of mm. August. So the next section has a bunch of three-page dungeons. Mm-hmm. They're actually two-page dungeons plus a four-page map. We did oh, originally okay. call them two-page dungeons, but we thought people would quibble. Because the map because is the map technically is part so of the dungeon. So we called yeah, them three-page yeah. dungeons as well. Even though we wanted them to be called two-page dungeons. We, we, mm-hmm. we can't because someone will, someone will have a problem with that. So they are three-page dungeons, yeah. each written by a different person. Yes. Um, ranging from a level one sewer up to a level 18 bastion and all in between. So each oh, of them nice. is one of those types, like a sewer, a temple, a ruin, a mine, you know, and mm-hmm. each of them has a level, each written yeah. by a different person and each of them is just like a little dungeon that you can just plug straight into your, um, straight into your campaign, just like that. And they are, oh, they're pretty cool. I like them. We've got the rotten underbelly, which is a level one sewer. We've got mm. Serpent's Maw, which is a level 2 temple. We've got the Palace of the Amber Prince, which is a level 3 ruin, and and so on and so on. The old number 10 mine. We've got a Sinister Submarine. The Obsidian Peak. The Maze of the Mountain King, a level 17 mm. bastion. So we've got a whole nice. lot of those, and you can just use those, just slap them straight into your game. Ready-made dungeons, all using the node system to make sure they're interesting and fun. All only like Amazing. two pages plus a four-page map. That is incredible. Super, super useful. I mean, and the thing is, people talk about things being on rails as a bad thing. Mm. And it can be true, like this about railroads being a bad thing. But one, I'd just like to point out that rail is an excellent way to get from one place to another. It's very smooth. I will add that trains nicely. being on rails is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. You and do if you want a train yeah. and it's not on the rails, you have a problem. Yeah, you, you do sh- have a problem. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the problem with being railroaded mm. is that players are deprived of agency or choice. They, they've they got no ways to go. Whereas, like, in a dungeon, the, the limits are inherent. It's like, well, obviously you can't go through a wall because there's a wall there. You don't expect to be able to. Whereas if you're in an outer world, you can say, well, I'll just cut across country. When I say, you're like, okay, yeah. well, we've got left and right. And that does mean the for someone who is beginning a GM career or is interested, it does mean that your possibility space for what your players' shenanigans might be is vastly reduced. Although yeah. I will say, I will yeah. say, right, the absolute best tip, the best tip I ever have, right, is don't give, start them outside the dungeon. Start them as they're going into the dungeon. Yeah. Because if you say, oh, well, no, true guy acting style is, oh, you hear rumours and then you make them work to find their way to the thing. But it's just... Oh, earlier on than that, you wouldn't even have that. You would no. literally start at the dungeon entrance. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then people just... Very early on. I'll go that way. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't... Get them going into them. It's exciting. Woo! Well, the next chapter... Yes? Oh, we're on page 214 or 296. We're getting there. Yeah! Exciting. It's the narrator's tools. We've got several pages of advice on using ability scores in the dungeon. This is things like breaking down doors, tunneling, yes. you know, ha- uh, mapping and navigating, how to use wisdom to make perception checks and hear or listen uh, to doors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all, all uh, contortion using yes. small gaps using dexterity. So it's just yeah. advice on how to use ability scores and skills in a dungeon. This is mm. what I, I like as well, because um, for every mm. puzzle or obstacle, there's a different way to kind of approach it. Yeah. So some of the traditional way I think you'd have is like, 
oh, we have come across some sort of locked door or thing. Rogue, go and do your thing. Great, we'll carry on now. Um, yeah. But this doesn't have that approach. So, like, any character mm. can can do something mm. and there's a way for yeah. everyone to kind of be involved. So you don't have to yeah. sit there and wait for the rogue to do their thing. Yeah, with ability checks, that is one of the real big strengths of 5th edition, which I think a lot of people who are used to playing previous editions sort of overlook, which is it's not skill checks, it's ability checks. Unless you're and playing that, advanced 5th edition, in which case sometimes it is skill checks. Uh, is it, though? Because if you've got the ability, you can... Well, it's it's defined as such in the book. It's defined as skill checks in the book, but you don't necessarily have to be proficient to attempt to do a thing. Oh, All you yeah, have to yeah. do is have the necessary prerequisites to be able to do it. Because if you didn't, then sure, it's you can call it a skill check, but it's fundamentally an ability check. And that's kind of really good because it means that as a GM, all you have to do is be clear on what the abilities mean and they can rule on literally anything. So this chapter also has some useful little tables, like a whole mm. bunch of doors with a bash DC and AC, nah. what recommended dungeon level. So like, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, an iron door has a bash DC of 19. Right, right. Has an AC of nineteen as well. Yes. Uh, recommended for dungeon levels nine plus. What is a bash DC? Because I'm intrigued. Uh, the bash DC is the ability to smash down a door, a strength check to smash down a door, or lift a portcullis, or force your way past a physical object. Fantastic. So sort of like the maneuver DC, but as applied to um, inanimate obstacles. Yeah, sort of you basically oh, make a stre- you make a strength check or something to try and bash okay. it down. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always things that will be impossible, like, you know, you can't use a toothpick to knock down an adamantine door, whatever the stats say. Like, what? You can always say, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but, the, but the information is there for you to use. And we also got, like, useful stuff like what a cubic foot of different materials weighs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, like, a handy thing, like, what does a cubic foot of gold weigh? Who knows? That's, well, I can tell that... you, 1,200 pounds. There you go. Wow. And I'd say that is a lot of gold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah we've got wood, water, dirt, stone, gold. You know, yeah. different different um, different materials. Mm. Just yeah. in the lifting and carrying section. Just so if you have to immediately adjudicate how much something weighs, mm. there you go. That is more yeah. than I could carry. Yeah. Twelve hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. That is quite quite heavy. Yeah. That's uh, like what's that? Like, eight people? Seven or eight people? Well, it depends on the people. Depends I can do. I can do. Pounds a person. That's quite a few. I could do two hundred and sixty pounds. That's my best okay. for a very short amount of time while standing still. <laughs> I could pick <laughs> it up and put it back down again. Probably, mm. probably. yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so a cubic foot of gold is a non-trivial task. Um, mm. I guess basically, I'm sort of interested because it is a player tradition to say the doors are made of adamantium. Exactly. Yeah, I anticipated <laughs> this. Yes, it's even yes. on the co- it's even on the cover oh. a little bit. If you look at the oh. cover, there's two. Who- Two creatures, yeah. Who could have anticipated this? Who could have anticipated that we've this played, would be we've played, we've played D&D before. What? <laughs> uh, uh, so next we have magic items. Nice. Um, I won't bother going through them all, but there's a bunch of magic <laughs> items in it. Or do you really want me to list them? Um, I there's, a door, there's a door breaker, which is an adamantine hammer specially designed for smashing down doors. Nice. Nice. Um, there's the Dungeon Delver's Guide itself. <laughs> is it Ooh, there? I like yeah. it. Self-referential. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll turn this page. We've got the Rod of Entropy. Oh. We've got the Staff of Squalor. We've got the Reloader Ooh. Gremlin. That sounds cool. Please yeah. discuss. Yeah. 
So basically, it's just like it's, a little dude that's just like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that, and, and at wax an extra cross before it. Uh, yeah, so it watches okay. a particular device or mechanism and resets it after it's triggered. Very useful for all aspiring dungeon masters. For traps, they do have an actual yeah. dungeon mar- dungeon with, that they wish to it's uh, the mastery ever. Yeah. Oh, this is getting so meta. Love it. Mm. Yeah. Then, then we have a bestiary. Um, Big long bestiary full of lots and lots of monsters going from like CR quarter or so up to like CR 1820 or something, I think. I can't amazing. Remember um, wow. Yeah, so loads and loads. Of, we've got some Abadeth variants, like the Abadeth Brute and the Abadeth Champion. Um, ah. We got Draconic Horrors, which is a really horrible sort of Ooh. underground dragon type thing. Various fungi. Um, lots Ooh. of new kobolds. Hey. kobolds. New oozes. Yeah. New rust monsters. Oh. Uh, um, uh, new My skeletons. Items. Yeah. A stone shark, which uh-huh. basically, uh, you see this, like, you know, the way the fin comes above the surface of the water. <laughs> Just imagine it coming across <laughs> the surface of the stone. Yeah. Oh, what, what's the difference between a stone shark and a boulette? Because they seem to do quite similar things in my head. Um, a boulette digs, though. I think a stone shark literally glides through oh, stone. Oh, okay, right. And it's an actual shark. Whereas a boulette's not really a shark, it's just a yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a titan called Midir, which is, um, yeah, he's uh, the handsome son of a god, once ruled an earthly empire. His love affairs were legendary and culminated in a romance with another titan's spouse. This led to a war, and he's been a prisoner um, uh, because he once vowed that he would never break any mirror that had reflected his face. And now he's a prisoner in this room surrounded by mirrors that he can't get out of because he won't break any of the mirrors because he's so vain. Wow, that's a lot. But he has learned to use the mirror mirror magic to influence the world. Oh. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Hmm. Intriguing. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of NPCs as well, like... uh, Amazing. Abaleth rules and rattling scavengers and ooze monsters. Is there a potion teller? That's what I want to know. Probably. Good. Probably. Probably. I don't know. A cultist Uh, execrator. uh, I don't even know what that is. A cultist execrator. Who knows what a cultist execrator is? It's challenge six. A fetid witch. That doesn't sound hygienic. Yeah. Fetid and the filth witches. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's that. We're getting there, we're yeah. getting there. We're now at page 262 of 296. Wait, there's even more? Nearly at the end. This finally, is ridiculous. Okay. Finally, we have oh. the Underland Gazetteer. Oh. Which basically introduces a whole load of wondrous locations in the Underland. Ah, so it's like sort of a lonely planet, but for yeah. the yeah. Underland. Yeah. If you'd so like got to the, vacation. The Court of Spores, which is a, like a dense forest of towering mushrooms, where there's a fungal mm. zombie kingdom known as the Court of Spores. Kind of fun. Oh, that's Regulator 7, which is a Grimlock location. It's a massive Ooh. underground engineering facility. Nice. Grave Exchange, an underground city inhabited nearly exclusively by criminals. We've got uh, Grizzalura, the Geode City. It's built inside a geode of psychic crystals. Ah. Yeah. We've got uh, the Hive, which is this uh, colony of Calcoy there. Oh, yes. Yes. Mind wasps. Love a good mind parasitic wasps. mind wasps. Yeah. They, lay, they lay eggs in your brain until they explode, right? Yeah. Yes. Alien style, yeah. but out your face. Yeah. yeah. They're a cross between mind flayers and aliens, basically, aren't they? Yeah. 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 I love them. Oh, they seem great. Obsidian Institute. So, so okay, I hate wasps. Yeah. The Obsidian Institute is an elite academy of assassins yeah. operated by shadow elves. Nice. 
We've got Frostnor, the ice prison beneath the Arctic Waste. We've got the Sanctuary, which is a secret druidic community of deep gnomes. (laughs) And we've got the Midnight Sea, which um, Mm. you can see all these stars deep below the sea. What those stars are actually are domes of breathable water that contain the remnants of an Aboleth or or the Aboleth prehistoric empire. Mm. That sounds incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Kind of cool. And that's it. That's the book. Apart from the appendices, just the book. Goodness. There's a lot in this book. There is a lot in this it's book. It's a big yeah. book. I, I, I mean, I, I, I was wondering why it was so huge when you were holding it up previously. Well, but it's clearly, 291 pages. That's some serious unplumbed depth-like levels over there. Mm. So that's, yeah, I mean, beautifully laid out. I mean, the art is really, really nice. Kind of quite, quite somber, but very cool. I mean, what I'm doing is I'm wondering... Do we have... Well, I mean, what are there stretch goals? I'm not seeing stretch goals. You don't normally do those. There are stretch goals, but we haven't announced them yet. Oh, I see you've got secret stretch goals. Oh, right. I, 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 I did give you a clue earlier as to what they were. Mm. Oh, okay. I'll probably they were linked to, to those dungeon generators mm. and someone doing code. <laughs> and I will say no more. Yes. Your lips but are sealed. Those, those are the stretch goals. Yes. Oh, Assuming we get to the point where we need stretch goals, of course. No, Who yeah, knows what will happen? We'll find out on Tuesday. I've decided on Tuesday. It launches uh, like four o'clock, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm going out at six o'clock well, to meet a friend in town. Yeah. Deliberately yeah, yeah. so. I've arranged it for that evening. So mm. I'm not going to be sat at home just staring at my PC. Refresh. I'm so going to go out refresh. and I'm going to come home about 11 o'clock and look at it then. And yes. I'm going to try really hard not to look at my phone. I know I look at my phone, but I'm going to try hard not to look at my phone <laughs> while I'm out. And I'm just going to try and not do that. I'm going to go out, meet All a friend, right. have a few drinks. Instead, I will spend the evening at home on Tuesday refreshing the page. And Don't I'll just do te- that. Don't do that. Oh, find something else no, to do. I'll, to just, I'll text you every 10 minutes to let you know how it's going. Find something to do and then there'll be... Either a pleasant surprise or a heart-sinking disappointment later that evening when you finally check it. No, but, um, but if you want to be notified when we launch on Tuesday, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes because um, the page is up now so you can click notify me and then yeah. we will notify 4 you. 4pm British time on Tuesday. Yeah, you've got, over, you got over 2,100 backers, uh, as I recall. Well, no, no, people oh, people that are interested. <laughs> Nobody's backed it yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Well... <laughs> so take my shut up and take my money. I'll always <laughs> happily take your money. Yeah, yeah. always. Yeah. You know my address. Just stick it in an envelope. <laughs> but we've got loads of cool um, add-ons yeah. as well that are already on there. So we've got all the core books. So mm. if you haven't got them and you want to just get involved, mm. you can do. And we've also got the combat maneuver cards that are there as oh, well. We have so a slight deck... announcement to make about the combat maneuver cards. Mine are bit of bad really? news. Oh, Oh, well, that's not really. I mean, just we've had them. We've had them on the site site for pre-orders. I've already emailed everyone that's pre-ordered them to let them know. But pretty much, um, we've been held up in, on customs for examination. So sometimes customs uh, just stop and randomly look at orders to go through and check everything's as it is. And um, we unfortunately got picked for that, and that can delay things for X number of time. And they can hmm. take like four to six weeks to do it because it's just well, bureaucracy. Hopefully they won't. It, it's, it's not that big a box of book of cards. And hopefully they'll just open it and go, oh yeah, that's obviously cards. They're done. You would think, but like bureaucracy and red tape. So, mm. But they've got all the forms, all the T's are crossed and all the J's are dotted. Uh, mm. So, you know, 
So is that UK customs or American customs? American customs. U- US oh. customs. So it's been there held it's been held up there. Um but yeah. we've emailed everyone that's had that's pre ordered so they know. Everyone's been really nice about it as well. Yeah. Like five people email back straight away going, Don't worry, these things happen. I'm happy to wait. And I'm like, that's nice. Like, yeah. you know, I would never reply to a customer service email, but like these people are just <laughs> nice and do. But yeah, yeah just oh. to show their support. Yeah. She's nice. Well, I think we're kinda of done, aren't we? I think so. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I have questions, but they're probably not suitable for this podcast. Let's just move on swiftly. Is it the same? Is Where it, does the silk? Is it the same question that was asked at the end of Spider-Man: No Way Home? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is it from anywhere else? Or? <laughs> well, they said to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, "What you actually yeah. make the web out of your own body? What from your butt?" And he's like, "No, not from my butt, from my wrists." Where so else come, would does it, it come from? Yeah. They were like, "Does it come from anywhere else?" So and he's like, "No." <laughs> what kind of question is that?